When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Hello to my beautiful Selfish Babes. Thank you for tuning in to another Selfish Babes Selfish Talk podcast today. I'm super excited uh, for this guest to speak because uh, her story really attracted me to her to have her on the podcast. And we're today we're going to be talking about sex trafficking. And so I want to introduce the beautiful Quintina Sani. Say hello. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Shay, thank you, beautiful, for being here. Thank you for being willing to share your story. And I, before we get into your story, I kind of want to know a little bit about you. So are you able to just kind of tell us a little bit about your background, how you grew up, etc. So we can kind of gauge who you are. Yes, absolutely. So um, I am uh, going to be 29 on Saturday. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Libra season. Woo. (laughs) True Libra fashion. I'm obsessed with being Libra. So, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) But I am currently living in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I originally grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, I spent the first almost 13 years of my life there. Um, I was adopted by my grandmother um, and she passed away. And then I was with a second family. And then my third family that I finally ended up staying with, and I still consider my family, are here in Minnesota. So from 13 on, I have lived in Minnesota. And yeah, lived in Colorado for a little bit of time. And yeah, I just kind of grew up in multiple different family settings. So I kind of have this rounded way of seeing the world. <laughs> All right, then now tell us a little bit about kind of you said your grandma had passed and you moved to in one family then moved into another. That, does that mean you were adopted into a family? Like how did that look? Mm, so my grandmother did actually adopt me from straight from my mother. And then with the second family, it was more like legal guardianship. So my grandma actually passed away quite suddenly when I was 10 and nobody was really able to take me because they were all older and, you know, financials and whatever. So yeah, I had my cousins basically my second cousins had taken me in for a couple of years and it was pretty tumultuous it was not the greatest situation for either of us they didn't really know how to take care of a traumatized child and we just didn't mesh so then they ended up wanting to give me to foster care because they didn't really know what else to do with me and then their friends who are my parents now who I call mom and dad they took me when I was 13 and they live here in Minnesota so they were just like pack your bags you're coming with us like you're not going to foster care come through so and I uh, I lived with them uh, until I was 18 moved out but they they're always my family so that's such a blessing and so like were your cousins like talking to friends and saying hey we're thinking about um, putting it for adoption and then that's how your parents now you came to like adopt you or like how did that situation happen yeah so it I never actually was able to be adopted again. And I can talk about this because it's past the statute of limitations, but it wasn't really like a a totally legal adoption or anything like that. It was kind of just like, she doesn't have anywhere to go and nobody will take her. So it was 
a little wild, but they just, yeah, they just didn't, I guess I should say that they just were not equipped to take care of a child who had just lost their mom. And I wasn't a bad kid by any means, but I definitely had a a lot of trauma emotionally. I was sexually abused in the house that I lived in with my grandmother. So there was that that nobody really knew about or even really talked about. Um, So that's a that's a whole nother layer of that, that taboo topic of sex and whatever. So definitely something that was a barrier for them to be able to care for me properly. Uh, So then, yeah, when I moved in with uh, my current family, my mom and dad and my siblings, you know, they did the best they could as well with who I was and bless them for taking in a 13 year old, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. And now you mentioned that your grandma had adopted you, right? I guess when you were born, Um, what had happened at that time? So my mother is, we do talk, my biological mother, she just wasn't in a place to take care of any of her children. I'm the youngest uh, from her. I have an older brother and an older sister who I love very much. And we didn't meet until I was 19 years old. So I didn't even really know I had siblings. Uh, So that was crazy. But yeah, she just was dealing with addiction and her own bouts of trafficking and prostitution and being exploited. So it was just not really the environment for her to be able to take care of a child so she my grandmother was like nope scooping her up and taking her so yeah thank you thank you for sharing that and so okay so then you who you call your mom and dad raised you and so tell us the journey from there yes so I have always been kind of the free spirit go my own way um and growing up from in three separate families. I went from kind of my grandma didn't really have any rules for me. And then uh, I had like an authoritarian, very like strict two years of uh, my cousins. And then I had like a blend of like, hey, like, we're gonna actually like, give you structure. And we're going to, you know, but I was 13. Like, (laughs) how, how can they really deal with that. So of course, like we all did the best that we could in that situation. And then uh, after when I moved out at 18, I stayed up in here uh, in Minnesota for two years. And when I was 20, I actually moved to Colorado. And that is where I met my trafficker. And the biggest part of that was when I moved there, I moved to Colorado with a friend and her husband. And that was like not a very good choice. I knew that she was abusing Ambien. And I don't know if anybody's ever experienced somebody that abuses Ambien, but they become very violent and very weird. And they just, you know, you're basically sleepwalking. And so you don't that is Ambien for those that don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's a prescription drug. It is a prescription drug for sleeping. Um, okay. So if you have insomnia, you'd be normally prescribed Ambien. So it helps you to sleep. Yes. But if you don't sleep, (laughs) you're literally sleepwalking. You're like, you're dreaming awake. So. Oh, so she would take it and not sleep. Yes. That's. Mm -hmm. Well, why though? Because doesn't it make you sleep? Well, if you don't take enough, then, or if you abuse it, like if you, you can take your lesser dosage, so then you can still get the effects. (laughs) I don't know why you'd want to sleepwalk, but whatever, you know, you'd still get these effects of this drug and, but you'd be 
like parts of your brain are basically shut off. Hmm. So you're not really a hundred percent aware of what you're doing, but yeah, she just, I don't think that she was taking enough to actually knock her out. <laughs> like she should have been. Yeah. So, yeah. So she decided that it would be a good idea to tell the cops that I had done a lot of crazy things that I didn't actually do. Um, and I went to jail for six weeks and I had only been in this state for a couple of months. So <laughs> like, Hey, but we have to have the backstory. Yeah. So did, why did yes. you call the cops on you? What happened between you guys? What was going on? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I started dating when I got down there. I had uh, just left a relationship here in Minnesota. So when I got down there, I was like, I need, I want to date. Like I want to go, I want to go on dates, whatever. And I feel like she was like underlyingly racist in a way, because every time I prefer to date black men. So when I would bring a man home, she would kind of make these remarks and whatever. And I told her, Hey, just so you know, cause we live together. So I was like, Hey, just so you know, I'm going to have my boyfriend sleep over. Just wanted to let you know, yeah. you know, I'm on this lease. I pay half the rent. So yeah. it's not like I'm just bringing people over for no reason. And she was like, mm, actually, I think we should go to dinner with you guys first before you just bring him over. And yeah. I'm like, okay, but like, are you my mom? And remind you, I'm 20. <laughs> like I left my mom to be like, you know, so that I could be an adult. Right. And so I was like, uh, no, no, we're actually not going to do that. So I did what the logical person would do. And I let him in the bedroom window, like a 15 year old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my, like literally I'm like, mind you, I pay for this space. Yeah. Like, you know? And so I was like, okay, weird, whatever. So I guess what I think happened, cause I never really got the full story because of course I went to jail that night and it, I just never, we never got obviously talked ever again, but I let him out the bedroom window the next morning. And then I went out the, the front door and just said, Hey, bye, like, see you later. And I was actually donating plasma at this time while I was looking for a new job because yeah. I was going to work at the airport, but it wasn't done yet. The, it was an express spa. Have you ever been to one of those? The express spas inside the airport. I've never been to the ones in the airport, but I've seen them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I was going to transfer to one of those. I was actually before that working in the Minneapolis airport. So yeah. So that was cool, but it wasn't done yet. So I was kind of just donating plasma just to kind of get by until I, until that opened up. And so I went to go donate. And as I'm sitting there, I tried to use my phone and it's off and I'm like, what the heck? Why? And I, we shared a phone plan. So okay. I'm sitting there and I'm like, why is my phone off? Like, what the heck? Like, I know I paid her for this bill. So now my blood pressure is high and I'm like, what the heck's happening? Like, why is my phone off? And so when I went to go donate, they were like, uh, sorry, like your blood pressure is too high. We can't have you donate today. So I was of course mad about that. Yeah. So then I go back out and, uh, I was, I had picked up my man, the boyfriend that I was seeing and he was waiting outside for me. And so I was like, Hey, can I use your phone to call my friend? And I called her and she just starts screaming at me. Just, I can't believe like you're, you never appreciate anything that I do for you. I tried to get you a job and you just want to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. What? Like what yeah. is happening here right now? So when I went to go back home to talk to her, she had actually locked me out of the apartment. Like they, she had actually caught in a locksmith and changed the locks completely. Oh yeah. So I couldn't well, even get in. I have a question. So did she know that you had brought a man over? 
or she didn't know, and this just happens to happen after you brought the man over. You know, it to me, because she didn't, the weird thing is she didn't say anything about the guy. So I'm like, did she see him go out? Because we were on the basement level, you know, so the window is like right at the ground level. So that's the only thing I could think of. Or maybe she had been abusing her ambient again and just was not in her right mind. Maybe she thought she saw something that I don't know. I I never got that side of the story, why she did that. But that's what I assume is that um, she had seen him go out the window because the living room and my bedroom were on the same side. So that's why, that's just my assumption. I don't know if that's facts. Okay. Um, <laughs> so then I, after I get home, I actually ended up calling the police and I was like, hey, I've been locked out. I'm on the lease on this apartment. My roommate locked me out. I can't get in. Can you help me? And they were like, well, no, we can't really like, I can send an officer out there, but we can't like really do anything. Cause you know, go to your leasing office and you know, tell them what's going on. So, okay. okay. I was like, fine. So I went to the leasing office and I was telling them, Hey, like my roommate changed the locks on me. I'm locked out. Like I can't get in the house. And they were like, Oh, she can't do that. That's illegal. So I was like, okay, well, can we do something about it? So they called her (laughs) and this is why I think that she saw him go out. She, she told them that he was living there and that they needed to do a check. You know how, like, you're not supposed to have people living there and they have to go in and do random checks. She, She asked them to go do a random check, even though I was already gone. (laughs) Like obviously like he obviously wasn't living there. It was one night that he spent. Right. And she didn't even know about that supposedly. So I'm like, what are you like how would you even prove that we have some guy living there like what are you talking about so then they were like this is ridiculous you know she they were like either you need to change the locks back or you need to give her a key to the new locks so I waited all day until 9 p.m that night and I go back to the house finally and I tried to get in and lo and behold she had not changed the locks nor had she given me a key Mm -hmm. and they were not home so So I called the cops again. I said, hey, I spoke to somebody earlier and I called the civil police line because I was like, you know, I just need an officer to come make sure everything's cool. I don't want any weird stuff. Like I just need a civil officer to come and just be here for whatever. So they were like, okay, we'll send somebody out. So before they actually arrived, she had actually come home and I said, hey, you need to let me in. Like I'm on the lease. You can't lock me out of my own apartment. Yeah. So she packed up all of my stuff so graciously for me. And uh, I started, I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to get all my stuff out. Like she's obviously kicking me out of here. My mind was not really like thinking like she can't kick me out. But at that point, I'm like, oh no, like, I don't, why would I even stay here, right, if we're gonna fight like this, so I'm taking my stuff out, and I see two squad cars pull up, I was like, okay, that's a little extreme for, for a civil police officer to come, but I was like, whatever, to help sort things out, yes, yes, and I, I had called them, um, so, (laughs) so then as I'm pulling my stuff out, and they show up, the first officer comes over to me, and he's like, you know, hey, like, what's your, what's going on, and I tell him, the other officer was like, I'm gonna go inside and get the other side of the story, and I'm like, okay, that's weird, um, (laughs) like, what do you mean the other side, well, what had happened was, they had actually called the police as well, and said that I burglarized their room, 
and that I stole a bunch of money from them, even though I'm literally standing right there taking my stuff out of the house and that I had threatened them. Yeah. And so, yeah. So basically it was two against one and they took me to jail for apparently stealing money from her and threatening her. So I have a question as you were packing up those stuff and those items, as you were arrested, did you have to leave your stuff in the house? Yeah, part of part of my stuff was still in there. The other part was in my car that I had already taken out. So yeah, I literally like the guy that I was seeing, he was able to take my car because he was just chilling there. So yeah, half my stuff was in my vehicle and the other half was still in the house. Okay. And you stayed, how long were you jailed for? Six weeks. Really? Yes, girl. Because the reason why is because I had only lived in Colorado for... I think we were there, I, we moved there April 1st, and I was in jail by June 3rd, so only a couple months, so they look at you like a flight risk, because you haven't really stayed, you're not really a resident yet, okay. so instead of releasing me, because they had no proof or anything like that, they decided to keep me, and uh, finally, I was let out on a personal recognizance bond, uh, which is have a record at that point, they were like, well, obviously she's not really going anywhere. She can't go anywhere. So we're going to release her because we can't just hold her on nothing. Um, so they released me. And when I got back to the apartment, they had moved out. And of course, since I was still on the lease, I was solely responsible. Well, now I don't have a job. Yeah. I don't have any or where to go. I can't afford to stay in this place. And they had also caused like $5,000 worth of damages to the apartment. And they knew that it would really screw me over because I was still on the lease and I lived there. So I had to, of course, break the lease. And the guy that I was seeing didn't want to be with the train wreck. So he eventually left. And I I believe he stole my car because we couldn't find it in the impound lot. We couldn't find it in the police impound. So I lost all my stuff. Who did you look? You were looking for your car with him? Or you were looking for your car without him? I was looking for my car without him because I was walking down. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. (laughs) So when the day that I left my car there in the parking lot of his friend's mom's apartment complex, I was going looking around for a pawn shop because I had gotten like I had like $700 worth of nail stuff because I was I'm a cosmetologist so I was going to do nails at this shop and so I had all this nail stuff that I was trying to pawn off because I'm like I have no money I have no way to get a job I have nothing so as I'm walking down the street with all of this stuff I get stopped and so this is where this is where my trafficking starts and this okay. is so I think it's really important just to note that like what's kind of happening here, because I think that people like don't really understand that this is a form of trafficking and that it's important to see how sometimes it actually moves into this. So I hear somebody honking from behind and I'm a curvy woman, so I'm used to that. But at this point, it's July in Colorado. So it's freaking hot. And so he honks at me, he waves and I'm wait, I wave back and he pulls into the gas station across the street and like waves me over. And I'm at at this point, like, I'm like, I don't even care. Like I need a ride. I have no idea where I am. I had only been in Colorado for a couple of months before I spent six weeks in jail. Like I have no idea where I am. No question. Just so we have clarity. So this is, you are walking after the pawn shop or before the pawn shop, which one? Before. I had you are making your yet. way to the pawn shop and you're walking. Okay, now 
in the gas station, he pulls up, you go to the car, he waves you over, you go to the car, continue. Yes. And so he uh, is asking me questions like, are you like, do you need a ride? Like, you know, it's really hot out here. Like you good. And of course, this is a big buff beautiful man in this dark green Lexus leather seats AC I'm like girl I'm like take me let's go yes please I need a ride um (laughs) so he drives me around all these pawn shops and nobody of course is going to take my stuff so you know as in the car he's asking me questions like normal questions just you know nothing really crazy just like where are you from like you know what do you do like you know whatever blah, blah blah and just these simple, simple questions were exactly what information he needed to see that I was far away from home. I Mm. told him I was from Minnesota that I hadn't been there that long. I disclosed that I didn't have a place to live. I disclosed Mm. that I didn't have a job. And I'm thinking, I'm not really even thinking anything of it. Like these are just like get to know you questions from some guy that's graciously giving me a ride, you know? And so Yeah, as I'm just answering all these questions, he's, of course, getting all the information that he needs in order to make this proposal. So that night, uh, after all the pawn shops and we can't find anything, he was like, well, you know, where do I like, where do I take you back to? And I was like, I don't know, like, we can go, you can drop me back off at my car. Um, And he's like, Oh, no, like, let me get you a hotel room. Like, you know, I'll feed you. I thought you didn't mm -hmm. have your car. This is, sorry, this is afterwards. So the car I'll, I'll lead up to where the car actually gets stolen. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It's fine. I was like, yeah. oh, you have a car. Continue, yes. <laughs> no, yes. So as, you know, he's like, let me get you, you know, a hotel room, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? That actually sounds great because I've been eating burgers that this nice lady was giving me. And I've literally been showering in her house, like, every couple of days. So <laughs> I'm like this. Uh, yeah, great. Perfect. A hotel room. Wonderful. Let me not sleep in my car one more night. Yeah. So when we get there, he's just, you know, being that typical nice guy tries to be respectful. Like, do you want me to sleep on the chair? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so he decided that he, he wasn't just going to get your hotel room and leave you. He wanted to, oh, no, he's staying. He was staying too. And I have a question. When you know, I mean, I mean, this is you looking back, right? When he decided that he wanted to stay and he wasn't necessarily leaving, did you think anything of that? Or you were just like, he just wants to stay and make sure I'm safe or something? What were you thinking? Yeah, I really like he just seemed so nice. Like he had just done so many things for me. He had bought me food. He gave me a ride to all these pawn shops. Like, I really just thought he was being nice. Yeah. And I mind you, I was 20 at this point. And I had had so much just abuse and undealt with trauma and a need, a a super severe need for somebody to love me because I just felt abandoned over and over and over again. So now, like obviously hindsight is 2020. Now that I look back, I can see where I was craving that. And so it didn't even cross my mind that he had ill intentions. I was just like, no, he's just being a nice guy. So (laughs) I was like, oh, wow. But yeah, so then uh, I was like, oh, no, like, it's okay. Like, we can just share the bed. And so shared the bed. And then the next day he was like, okay, like, you know, what, what do you want to do? Like, where, what are we going to do for you? Do you want another hotel stay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, 
I kind of just feel like maybe I should just go out on the street and uh walk I said walk the track as if I knew what I was actually talking about yeah and he's like have you like do you even know what you're what you're saying like do you even know what that is and I was like well yeah like I can't be that hard like you know just quick money whatever and he's like oh no 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 let me show you a better way Hmm. he was literally an actual trafficker that had then showed me instead of making or having me walk the track he actually showed me how to just make money on Backpage. and at first it was like okay like you know since i showed you the ropes i'll be your security like you know i'll I'll be your protection don't worry about it like i'll be outside every call and we can just share the money and i was like okay question just selfish ways to get clarity so when you said walking the tracks did you know that and I'm, i'm asking for myself too is walking the tracks like basically ham available you're basically paying paying money for sex is that what walking the tracks is yes sorry i should have clarified yeah so this is this is actual street work so um you they colfax avenue is actually denver colorado's like longest street but also that's what they that's what denver calls the track is Uh where prostitution occurs and sexual exploitation and trafficking is very very prominent on that strip so that is what i just was like yeah like let's let's just do that in your moment and that moment was like I just need some money I need to get myself stabilized kind of thing okay yep and so when he mentions you to you hey there's actually a better way to do this in that moment what did that sound like to you and how did that sound did it sound like a better option versus the latter oh absolutely I was like I get wait a minute I get protection I get somebody to help me manage my money I'm a 20 year old idiot I have no idea like and back then that's what I would say about myself is like I don't know how to manage my money I don't know how to do anything I don't even know if I even know how to safely walk the track right I'm just I'm just doing because my mother also was exploited and prostituted herself but also was prostituted so she had pimps and stuff and I knew this you know and that's why I didn't really have a great relationship with her but I was like you know what if she did it it can't be that bad right like whatever it's fine so then when he was like oh yeah like there's a better way I'm thinking oh my gosh I get protection I have somebody to help me manage this money I have you know I have safety I have a way to get around like how am I even going to get to these dates I don't have to stand outside in high heels it seemed like the perfect scenario. And then of course he's like, well, I'm, I'm your boyfriend. Like I want to, I, I really care about you and I want to be your man. I'm sorry, then, I was going to say I know. one day, right? You've only talked to him for one day. Yes. Okay. I yes, just girl. Make sure we're in the same story. I'm like a day boyfriend. What? I know. Okay. Yes. No. And the thing is like what, what people really have to realize is vulnerability plus meeting a need equals exploitation. I had every vulnerability you can think of. I have nowhere to go. I'm desperate for love. I am in desperate need of all my basic needs. And he provided them to me. (laughs) So I'm like, of course he's my boyfriend. This is what boyfriends do. They provide for their girlfriends. Like it's fine, whatever. And it was only, of course, it was only supposed to be for a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just make like 10 grand and then we'll open that salon that you've always wanted to open and we'll do this and we'll get you a car and we'll do all of these things, right? Sold me the dream. And I was like, okay, just a couple of months. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Everything's going to be fine. 
Well, it turned a couple months turned into a couple of years. And so at first he was what we would call in the anti-trafficking world, a Romeo pimp, where he actually did the romance. It was like, you know, I can see that this woman is in desperate need of love. I'm going to fill that need for her of that void of love. And then I'm going to be not only her source of love, but I'm also going to be her provider of her basic needs. And so as we went along, things just kind of got a little bit weird. I was like, well, haven't we reached our goal yet? Like where? Because I want to take us through that before we get into depth there. So Mm -hmm. During that, like during maybe those first two weeks, right? He mentioned that you can do this through Backpages. What is Backpages? Yes, Backpages kind of like Craigslist. They were a very similar platform. Backpages has since been shut down because of because they knew that trafficking was happening on there. But um, it was kind of like in the in New Craigslist, you know how they have like the massage and yeah. the escort section. That's what Backpage was. It was literally Craigslist, but it had, you know, you could buy cars, you could buy whatever, but it also had an escorts, him meeting her or her meeting him or him meeting him, whatever. They had like different dating, um, a different dating section. And then they also had um, the private massage section. So what he showed me was that I could post ads in these sections in a way that made it sound like a dating profile, but people who are actually buyers knew like the code words. So, um, let's do that. I want to know all the details. So what does that look like? Yes. So in your title, there are specific words that you can use like a snow bunny and baby girl and like, like just these seemingly terms of endearment, but are actually like code words for like, hey, like this is a a, a white girl that is available to purchase oh, for sex. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's what snow bunny would mean. That's what snow bunny okay. is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that you would use words like that in your title and then you'd kind of describe um what you were quote unquote looking for. So you could say man, it's been like five years since I've wrote an ad, ad, so I have to think about it a little bit. But basically, you could say, are you looking for company, someone sweet to talk to? You know, you obviously couldn't just come out and be like, do you want to have sex? So, you know, you kind of got to get creative, which is why we have transferable skills in like the social media era, because we know how to sell, right? (laughs) We know how to get what we want. But yeah, so uh, the with the dating quote unquote profiles, um, that's how people would call the number, and then you would you know do your little code talk of oh like you know how long are you trying to date for um, just so you know this is conversation only blah 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 and then and the reason on the phone you would say come even though you knew it was going to be sex on the phone you would say conversation only just in case the police were listening or in case that was a police officer. Yes. And there were actually, the police weren't trained very well. So you could totally tell when someone was a cop answering the line because they would just say things that you're just like, no, like, no, click goodbye. Like, no. So I actually was lucky enough to never be picked up or arrested for prostitution, which was great. But a lot of people aren't that lucky because they don't really know. But that's what my pimp did. Like he taught me how to how to talk, what to say, what not to say, how to look for cops. Like 
he knew his stuff. Now, question, question, question. Okay, so did yeah. okay did he pimp other women, or was he a pimp that was only a pimp to one woman at a time, or was he a pimp to multiple women at a time? Because it seems to me in the story he's been with you for some time, but he's a pimp. So in my mind of pimp, I think brothel i think multiple women so Mm -hmm. what kind of pimp was he i know you said he was a romeo pimp so but is it is it only one woman at a time well it started out like that i think that before um and i didn't really ask too much about his history i know that he had three kids and so i think that i think he trafficked his the mother of his children as well but he didn't really he never really said whether he did or not but i can I can just make that assumption based off of that. But I knew that once I got to know him a little bit more, I knew that he had had other women before me, whether they were all at the same time or separate. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know that he, we did try to recruit other women. So he did actually have me try to recruit women. And we did have one um, that I can even, I can get to uh, later in the story, but we did have one woman that stayed with us, I think a year. And she was the only one that I couldn't scare off because I'm in my mind, I'm like, this is my boyfriend. I'm just doing this temporarily. This is my man. No one else can have him. So then when he started suggesting that, you know, oh, like, you know, we'd make, we'd make our goal faster if we had somebody else helping us. And I'm just like, whatever, like, as long as they don't stay around too long. So yeah, we did have a couple other women, but I successfully (laughs) made it very obvious and uncomfortable for them to be there. Uh, So they did end up leaving. Okay. We're going to get to the later half of the story. I'm just trying to get right in the beginning. So when, Okay, so let's say you had your, do you remember your first person or your first experience? I do. Can you tell us about it? I sure can. (laughs) The reason that I like laugh about this is because it is comical. I hate even saying this, but I was so blessed. Like my first client was the nicest guy ever. And he was just this little like nerdy blonde guy he couldn't have been much older than me at that time total pothead just always just weed everywhere bongs everywhere like you know all that stuff and um he welcomed me in he was like hey like who's that I was like that's just my driver don't worry he's just good and he was like okay just super nice guy welcomed me in said hey like I have like three different types of Gatorade do you want some I was like sure thank you and then yeah we sat and talked for a little while and then moved into what we all expected uh to happen in that scenario um and he actually gave me pot uh cookies and asked my if I wanted some extra weed for my driver and I was like you know what my driver would love some weed thank you so much (laughs) so not only did he pay me for my time but he gave me a whole bag of weed that he grew himself and some cookies (laughs) he was just so nice I think it is nice that you had a pretty nice person as your first client you know because I I can only imagine how some experiences may not be as nice but in these Mm -hmm. situations you you went to the client. They didn't come to you. Correct. Yes. So I did what's called out calls. So there's in calls and out calls and walking the track, walking the track. We discussed earlier was, you know, being actually on the street, pulling cars and stuff in calls is where you have like a house or an apartment or a hotel room and your dates come to you. 
and then out calls or where I would go to the the date. What made you guys decide that out calls were the best versus in calls? So we didn't really have a place. We were staying in hotels ourselves, but we didn't really want to bring that kind of like traffic in. You know, it just looks funky. When you see what I've seen, it's so obvious when someone's like using a room for multiple people always going to the door in and out, in in and out. Gotcha. In and out. Yep. It just, it just looks sketchy. So we were like, mm, that's probably not the best thing. And I always, uh, this was in the time where Google maps was actually taking photos. You know how they had that little white van and they drove around and they took the satellite photos and everything yeah. of the homes. So I actually got to, when they sent me the address, I would actually see the home. I would go and I would look at who owns it. I would look at, um, you know, most recent occupancy, all that stuff. I would look up a couple things and then I would be able to decide whether or not it was a legit call. Okay. Um, Actually, I have a question about this one. So I know, okay, obviously you guys had sex, but how was it having sex with a person like as your client and not necessarily for romantic interests? How was that in your mind? How was it in your body? Like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I learned the art of dissociation. Mm-hmm. I was not, I, and I've, I had a whole other persona when I would go to clients and I called myself, well, I had a couple names in the beginning, but for the most time, when I started to get regular clients and when I was in the game for three and a half years, um, I went by Ariana. Yeah. And so that was, I literally turned into, it was almost like split personality where I literally turned into Ariana when I was in a buyer's house. And then I was, I didn't even really know who Quintina was. I called my, I always called myself Tina, but you know, I didn't really know who that even was. Cause I was mostly dissociating completely with these dates. And mind you, another crazy part of this and another layer is I actually had a full-time job as a manager of a salon while I'm being trafficked. So not only was I sex trafficked, I was also labor trafficked because he took my wages on top of my all the earnings eventually all the earnings that I got through being trafficked so I know it's there's a lot (laughs) well in terms of just for clarity for disassociation what would Ariana do versus I mean I know you said you didn't really know yourself at that point but what would Ariana do Ariana was fun and just very like sensual but you know, there were, I had rules, you know, I had certain positions that I would do. It's like, you got to choose from these three positions. That's it. I don't do anything outside of vaginal intercourse and um, oral intercourse. Like we always wore um, a condom protection. And so, you know, I had, I had rules, but at the same time, you know, I tried to make the client feel like I was their partner. So, you know, you kind of just, you have to, you just have to be the nice girl, the girl who's kind of in that submissive, or you kind of figure out as you're talking to them, you kind of figure out like what they like. And then you literally just become what they want. Mm-hmm. You, you just, you just morph into it. And that's like where I call it an art form of dissociation because I could be, Ariana was malleable. She could yeah. be whoever the client needed her to be. Mm-hmm. And then my last question I know these are in-depth questions I'm just trying to paint the picture for myself but in the actual vaginal intercourse um did you have to like use lube and things to get that going Mm -hmm. you know because I'm just thinking about in a romantic partnership how how wetness and lubrication may come natural 
you know, because that's somebody that we care about. We want to be with them. We're physically attracted to them, et cetera. And so I'm just thinking about if I'm not sexually attracted to somebody and I'm not having sex because I necessarily want to, there's an end goal here. How do you make sure that that environment feels like you are in a romantic partnership? Absolutely. And I always, because some, for some clients, the lube kind of made them a little bit uncomfortable because just as you said, like, you know, vaginal wetness is a sign of actual pleasure. Like I want to be with you. Right. And if I wasn't like, there was no, I never, ever, ever got wet. I always had to use lubrication. And I would just say, it's just, it'll, it'll just enhance it. It'll, um, it'll enhance the experience for you. Like it's not you like, you know, and then I would also use the I'm on birth control. So I don't really produce lubrication kind of excuse. And some guys would get that and some wouldn't, but a lot of them understood that. Um, so, you know, I just tried to make them feel comfortable about it because, you know, again, you want to make it like an experience. Like you want to, you want them to call you back because if you, if the date goes good in that time, then they're going to continuously call you back. And then it's like, I don't have to go meet another person. And I know who I need to be when I show up at his house. And I agree. You don't have to start a whole new relationship or try to get to know somebody. I definitely understand that. And like how much were your rates at that time? So sometimes I kind of lowered them a little bit, but it was like 80 for a half hour, 150 for a full hour. Um, I only had a couple of calls that um, had me for more than an hour. And uh, one of them was at actually at the Ritz Carlton in Denver. He called me a couple of times, ended up ripping me off. That was a terrible experience. But um, I mean, that was like a, that was like an $800 call. So in, in Denver, you know, it's a lot of people don't want to pay very well (laughs) for sex. So like, I mean, for me, I thought $80 was okay because I was also curvier. I wasn't blonde, blonde girls make way more money. Uh, thinner girls make more money. So, you know, you have to kind of, it's honestly like supply and demand. You really have to see like, okay, you know, what kind of body shape do I need to have in order to charge these rates? Um, Cause you know, bigger girls can't charge like thinner girls and it, that's just how it is in the industry. So, you know, I kind of had to do like lower rates because I was a curvier woman. Hmm, that's so interesting. And I say interesting just because I hear that. Right. And of course I don't know the experience, but I also know, of some people who may be in the dom industry and be dominatrix. And so they like mm. t- have a more female empowered way of viewing like uh, sex work. And so it's like in those roles, there could be dom women who are curvier that charge higher. You know, it just, Absolutely. I just know a little bit about it, not too much. Okay, now let's continue because I have a question is, so he was with you for this time. Did you ever think, oh, he doesn't look like he has his own place either. Like when you first met him, did you think that he had his own place and he was just giving you a hotel room and then you saw that, oh, he's with me like every day. He doesn't have his own spot. Yeah. So um, the the kind of got a little bit of, I did ask him some questions about that because he was telling me about his, the, the mother of his children. And I was like, well, don't you live there? And he's like, well, I mean, I'll stay there sometimes, but you know, we're not together. So, um, you know, sometimes I, sometimes I stay there, sometimes I don't. And I'm yeah. like, okay, like you want to elaborate? And he was like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to pry. Um, so yeah, so it kind of was like, "Mm, that's weird. But then he's like, well, that's why I'm staying with you. And I'm like, okay, like, (laughs) oh, of course, that's why you're staying with me because you love me. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I understand. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing the raw truth. Oh, we love it. I know myself. Now, okay. So, okay. So let's say now you've been with him for a while. What's going on? Because you said it's been three years, right? Was it three years? Three and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first year was kind of just like, you know, I'm your boyfriend. We had, like I said, we had a couple of women come through, but I basically made it like totally uncomfortable for them to stay. So they did not last very long with us. And then we... We were staying in hotels for a little while and then eventually uh, saved up enough money to actually do get an apartment. So I think I think it was about eight months in. Um, we finally got an apartment, started furnishing it from home choice, you know, all the things. And uh, he was like, oh, like, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to, you know, we're going to get this house. And then and then once we get this, then we'll get your salon. Once we get a house, once we get this car, once we get this. And it was like, it's like my dreams, the the dreams that he had sold me on in the beginning just kept getting pushed back and back and back. But like, I didn't really have any other choice. Like, I didn't really see any other option because my job wasn't making me enough money and Denver is extremely expensive to live in. So we lived in a very like not really great area. So, you know, and that was even still expensive. So we're having to pay for that. And then of course we have to look like the lifestyle. If we're going to, you know, say that we're doing this and we're going to recruit other women. Now it's like, we had to get him a new car and we had, I, I bought him two Cadillacs with my well he bought them himself but we all know it was my money um so you know we had to keep up this like lifestyle and all these things and it was just so it never even crossed my mind I was like no like he keeps saying that I'm gonna get this and he's been so true to his word with like protecting me on these calls and like doing all these other things but it's like this one dream was like the carrot on the stick that I just kept following and that he kept you know, pushing out farther. So yeah, it was just this progression of, okay, now, since you decided that you're going to scare all these, uh, all our potential other girls away, now I'm going to get, now I'm angry. Like he's, he's like, angry at this point he's like you can't keep acting like this like whatever we're never gonna you know be able to do all these things if we don't just you know have somebody and I was like you know what fine so now I'm at I'm at a crossroads of like okay now he's angry with me if we he's right you know obviously I'm not making enough and these are the thoughts that are going through my head he's like you know making me believe like that I'm not make I'm barely making any money quote unquote and I'm like well, I want this dream. Like I have this dream. He told me that now, now I have to like continue to sacrifice all of these things in order to get this dream. And I just kept telling myself like, oh, you know, it'll be a cool story when I finally open my salon, like, you know, and so finally, uh, we do get this one, uh, one woman and she was like the, the blonde, curvy but thin girl that we quote unquote needed and we were like okay this is going to be like the power triage like we're going to get stuff done and you know we're we're gonna get out of this quick I have a question as we get into this Mm -hmm. 
during this time, you didn't, had you, had, did you ever look at him as a pimp or being sex trafficked? It was just, he's my boyfriend and he's taking care yeah. of and we're getting yep. together. Yeah, yeah. I just want to exactly. make sure we clarified that for the Selfish Babes listening. It's like, in hindsight, yes, we can see it, we can say it, but in the moment it is, this is my boyfriend, we're getting money together. That's it. All right. Let's exactly. So now you have the person that you think you need for my money and she's yes. part of your team. Yes. And she had actually just moved back from California and he, he knew her and she was my age. I also should say that my pimp was like 12, 11 or 12 years older than me. So this woman was, I think, two years younger than I was. Um, So me and her around the same age and then there's him. So when she comes in at first, things are like, you know, I'm trying to what I guess stake my claim but we would call me the bottom bitch Mm -hmm. and for people who don't really know what that means the bottom bitch is the one who is their pimp's right hand woman always you know bringing in the most money you know I it's like I have to compete I have to show the other women that are in the house what to do I'm always at his beck and call so you know and it was like it was like a, a crown for me. Yeah. It was like, I'm important for once. Like somebody yeah. needs me. Yeah. So yeah. So then I was like, okay, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna stake my claim. Like I'm bottom bitch. Like no one can tell me nothing. Yeah. And so when she came into the picture and I was at work, <laughs> they would, you know, be alone together. And of course, all of these thoughts are going into my mind. Like, what's happening when I'm not there? Like, you know, and I had to realize that he was probably having to give her her needs, especially sexual needs, because she's probably in the same position I am searching for love. And I'm in my brain, I'm like, oh my God, he's probably like sleeping with her while I'm gone. And so I'm like getting angry. And so I'd have an attitude. And then he started to get really like physically abusive. And, and it was because I was in his eyes acting out but in my eyes I'm sitting here like you're my boyfriend and I know for a fact when I'm sitting here slaving away at work and then going to these dates you're at home with her (laughs) having sex with her like and I'm like where is where's my emotional support like where where am I gonna get what I need out of this so that's when the table started to turn a little bit and I was just like wait a minute if he's keeping her by having sex with her and, you know, her getting her, her needs and, you know, we're making money together. He's selling her whatever dream she has. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Am I, am like, what am I then? Yeah. Like, how am I different? Because I'm, I'm not, now I'm not even getting really any like physical attention from him because I'm working and I'm going on dates. He actually had me start going on dates by myself because he wanted to make sure that she had somebody with her to go on her calls. Hmm. And he thought I was so solid as bottom bitch that I would never leave and I would never betray him. And like, So he sent me off to go do calls all by myself. And that really upset me. I was like, the whole purpose of you coming is to protect me. Like, now you're just going to send me off on these dates by myself. Like, who's going to protect me if something happens? And that's really when I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not okay. But at the same time, I'm like, 
I have nowhere to go. Like I have a question. everybody. Yeah, go ahead. So you mentioned working at that time you were working in the place and time that you're talking about now. Was he taking like basically you were giving your paychecks to him? He had my debit card that my direct deposit would go on. Okay. And then also the money that you make from calls, he would get the money first. Yep. And would he ever give you a little bit of that money or how did it work? No, I never. Uh, it was he, we always went to the store together. We always went to um, everywhere that I needed something to be purchased. He was always, he was always there. there with your card to debit. And so yep. at that time, did that ever feel weird for you that, or did you ever feel like, hmm, I never actually swipe my own card or I never go to the store by myself? Or did you feel like, ma'am, this is my man. He's taking care of me. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, how did you feel yeah. in those times? Absolutely. No, it was all like, I'm being taken care of. Like he loves me. He's caring for me. Finally, like talk about daddy issues. Like mm-hmm. I finally have a man in my life that's taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not knowing my, my biological father and then having that tumultuous relationship with my second family, I kind of felt continuously abandoned by the father figures in my life. And for once it felt like I wasn't being abandoned. He was taking care of me. He was loving me or in my, whatever my warped idea of love was in that moment. Um, so yeah, for me, he, uh, it never even occurred to me that that was weird. I was just like, and I also, I was like, I don't even know how to manage my own money. Like I've never managed my own checkbook. I've never, none of that. So I'm like, well, give it to the guy who's 12 years older than me to make the right decisions with our money. So it never even occurred to me. Wow. I I really like the explanation of the mindset of where you're at, your thoughts. Again, not thinking, hey, I'm being trafficked. This is, I'm, you know, whatever. It's just like, no, this man is taking care of me. Um, Okay. So now he's taking your third team member on, you know, her calls. Now you're like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. He's supposed to be protecting me. This is the point of all of this. Continue. Yeah. And so I just started to feel like I started to feel abandoned again and that I love and hate that part of myself because it was the catalyst that that abandonment wound that I had it was the catalyst to me realizing things and leaving but also it set me up for failure in a lot of other relationships and just a lot of well and learnings like I don't say failures because, you know, it's a bad thing. It it was really like a beautiful process of learning through that abandonment wound, what I was missing and what I needed. But through that, I was able to kind of just realize like, oh my gosh, I literally feel this abandonment wound again. Like maybe he doesn't care about me. Maybe this is all a lie. Like maybe, you know, whatever. So I actually, uh, it was really gracious that he was letting me go on these calls by myself because that's the only way that I was able to start stashing money and to start kind of saving for whenever I was going to leave. And I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really know when I was going to leave. I was just like, there, I have to go. Like somehow, some way I have to go. And he was like, you know, he trusted me. He yeah. was like, this is my bottom. Like, I don't have to worry about her. So as I'm kind of getting these ideas and being like, he's, I know he's sleeping with her and oh, mind you, we all sleep in the same bed, okay. um, the same queen size bed. 
and he sleeps in the middle. We each sleep on um, a side of him and he would take turns on whose night it was to be cuddled. And girl, I like the, the details. Continue. <laughs> wild stuff, right? <laughs> like, yeah. what the heck? Um, and one night he thought I was obviously sleeping and it was her turn to be cuddled. Well, I actually woke up to them and they were trying to be discreet, but I woke up to them having sex right next to me mm-hmm. as they think I'm asleep. And as I'm facing the wall, I am just silently sobbing mm-hmm. because I'm like, I can't believe, like, I haven't, I haven't had, I haven't had any, like, sexual connection that I actually wanted to have. I've only, I've been sitting here slaving myself away, working 40 hours a week at work, staying up half the night, going on calls by myself, sleeping with men that I do not want to sleep with, and having to become this whole other person, and it all just started to, like, Mm. unravel in my head, and I'm just like, what have I been doing for three and a half years? <laughs> like, what the heck? So yeah, so I started stashing money and oh, I started- oh, yeah. When you're stashing the money, did you raise your price a little bit so that you could stash more money and he didn't think anything was missing or he never noticed that any of the money was missing? No, he didn't notice because I would just say that every once in a while, like every couple of calls, I would say that it was like a a quote unquote blank call, which just means that, you know, I went and I checked it out and it was sketchy and I just didn't go, but really I did go and it didn't, they didn't even know because they were both freaking sleeping um, or they were on another call while I was going on my own call. So how would they know? Yeah. if I went or not. <laughs> um, so yeah, and my regulars, you know, I started kind of telling them my dreams and stuff. So sometimes they would tip me um, and I would keep the tips, which was really nice. So yeah, that's kind of how I started to like save up some money. And right before I left randomly, and we'll get to that in a second, but I was like, how am I going to get my paycheck? Because he keeps my card, you know, in his wallet. I never see it. So one day, I think it was, it was around like Easter time and we were all just chilling in the living room and I got so angry. I think, um, I also was taking next or not taking, it was, uh, birth control in my arm. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Nexplanon? I, it's, it's not a, it's not a patch or is it a thing they implant into your arm yeah it's like a rod that they stick in your arm oh, okay I've heard of it yep so I used to have before that I had the implant on and then I asked them I, it expired so I had to get a new one and so they put Nexplan on in me instead and they were like oh it's the same thing don't worry about it it was not the same thing I was a psycho like I was angry I was just very moody and like mood swings for days. And the, one of the things that you just don't do is you never, ever, ever talk back to your pimp. And so what I started doing was I started to kind of talk back and he was like, just getting more and more violent. And then one day I had an extra, what I would call an extreme mood swing. And I just started I got up, I stood up, I stared at him and I just started screaming at him saying, I'm so sick of all this and you fucking her and this and all these things. I'm just screaming. I don't even remember half the things I said. And I feel like I completely like blacked out. And he always kept a pistol under the pillow or under the cushion in the couch. And as I'm screaming at him, 
she's she is sitting on the other couch that we have watching me scream at him she's like she was already white but she she might as well have been translucent just like what are you doing you dumb girl like why are you yelling at him and he just whips the pistol out he puts it to my face and was like if you don't stop screaming I'm going to shoot you and I was like go ahead and fucking do it go ahead and fucking do it like I don't even care at this point like you know blast my brain whatever and he just choked me out and it's thank god um and so instead of that he decided to choke me out and I wake up and I'm in I'm on the bed I was listening choking out is like he literally puts his arms around you and waits until you go unconscious yes Mm -hmm. okay yeah yep and I wake up um laying down in the bed and he's like you ever do that again I swear to god I'll kill you and after that I just got really really quiet like he could tell that like that whole scenario had kind of like messed with us but you know and he tried to you know be like you know I just I just wanted to get you to stop screaming like I didn't mean to hurt you like I do love you like we're gonna it's gonna be better like I'll be better you know just trying to make up for the fact that he literally just threatened my life and then like literally choked me out and made me unconscious and so as that whole dynamic is going on in my head I'm completely tuned out. I'm like, now it's go time. Now I'm like posting as much as I possibly can. I'm trying to stack as much money. Uh, All the clients that I had at work, I was asking them for cash tips because, oh, I also had to, uh, I had to show him the cash tip receipt or the, not the cash tip, but the credit card tip receipts from my job. And so the money that I handed him after the day of work had to match the receipt or else I'd be in trouble. Um, So I started asking my clients, my regular clients uh, at the shop, at the salon to bring me cash instead. Um, And I told them, yeah, like I don't get taxed if you give me cash. And so of course they're like, oh, well, I don't want you to get taxed. So that's also was another really cool thing that so many people have no idea what that simple gesture um, allowed me to do. Um, So yeah. So finally, um, one day he's like, Hey, I'm gonna go on this call with her. Do you want to come trying to like, you know, Hey, like, let's spend some time together. And I was like, Oh no, like, I don't want to miss any money. You know, I, I think I, I have a call later, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, cool. So they leave. And instantly I called my sister and I was like, I think I want to leave. And she's like, what are you, what, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Like, go, like, what do you mean? And so I just start sobbing and she's like, Tina, I need you to get your shit together right now. And I need you to grab this. I need you to grab your documents. You know, I was like, but what about the, we had like a couple, like a couple snakes and a tarantula and a bearded dragon. And I was, (laughs) I know, (laughs) I'm like, what about, what about the animals? And she's like, leave them, Tina, (laughs) like leave them. And so I just grab some stuff and I throw whatever I can into the car and I drive away. And she's like, don't look back. And so I'm just like, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, okay, like I have this money. And what do you know about how much money you have? I think in cash, I had about $700 Mm -hmm. and I was smart enough to, um, the other thing that I, one of my jobs was, was to pay the car insurance. We actually had to go in to pay 
um, to the insurance company and pay our car insurance in cash because that's how we dealt with everything. And so the woman that always helped us, um, when I went in, this was like a week prior, she was like, um, Hey, like, you know, I don't mean to be intrusive, but I see your guy come in here with another woman. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here today. She's like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, I need you to disconnect this vehicle from the car insurance. Like, I need you to completely separate it. Can you do that? She's like, girl, I got you. Absolutely. With her little nails and she's clicking away. Like, she... What a blessing. I love her so much. I actually um, connected with her, but that's a whole thing. So um, she's click clacking away with her, you know, separating everything. And she's like, girl, I wish you the best of luck. I was like, I'm good. I'm going to get out of here. So I thankfully was able to separate the car. And then, um, yeah, so I actually also thought to cancel the debit card because he had just, uh, I think we had just paid rent or we were about to and so there was no to the store and it worked out oops I'm listening keep going okay no sorry it says my internet was unstable so the uh it worked out so perfectly that when I canceled the card and they sent me a new one to the store it was literally two days before I had actually decided to leave Mm -hmm. and so I was able to pick up my new card and um I stayed there for uh at my job for like two more weeks, uh, took that money and then got a hotel for one night and then just drove back home to Minnesota after the two weeks. My mom was so such a blessing and she got me a hotel room for two weeks so that I could stay and finish my job, finish my two weeks. You weren't afraid to be at your job thinking that he could pull up? I mean, I thought about it, but I'm like, we, we always had two people on. We never left people alone. So we always had, I always had somebody else there at the salon with me. Yeah. So I was, I was like, nah. And if he's that bold to show up, I told everybody that I had broken up with my boyfriend, you know? So everybody knew if he did show up, they knew what to do. Um, So I was like, call the police if he comes. And they were like, okay, girl, we got you. Of course, as sisters do. Right. So yeah. And then, yep. So I stayed there for another two weeks and said, Hey, I got to quit. I got to go back to Minnesota. I was able to transfer uh, my job, which was cool to another salon. And then that's how I got out. Did he ever call you or text you or try to figure out what happened? A ton. Oh my gosh. I had my, I had my regular cell phone and then I had a burner phone. I also called on my regulars during that two weeks and told them that I was leaving the state. And if they wanted to like, you know, last chance basically. So I think I had about $1,500 when I came back to Minnesota, but yeah. Oh yeah. He tried to call a bunch of times and I just, you know, he called, he texted, he had her calling and texting me, telling me like, you're such a bitch, blah, 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 like all, you know, all the things. And uh, so after that, I smashed the burner phone and I got, I think I changed my uh, number to a Minnesota number to, for the other phone. So then after that, I've heard from him a couple of times. He's popped into my DMs a couple of times, but that's it. That's the only contact I've had with him since then. So wild ride. Yeah, for all three years. So now reflecting back on all of that, what are your thoughts? Oh man, I just, I just give so much compassion for the woman that I was back then. The, the wounded child, the just hurt 
soul that I was. And I just send her so much love. I was a little angry at first at myself for being like, how could I have gotten, you know, tricked for that long into it. But there's just so many layers that I've realized were that were keeping me there. I mean, I really didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have you know, I didn't really have, or in my eyes, I didn't really see any other options. And the question that I get mostly is, well, why didn't you just leave? And I'm like, and go where? Why didn't you go to the police and tell them what? Tell yeah. them that I sleep, like this guy is forcing me to sleep with men for money. Like what, what do you tell the cops in that, in that moment? Like they're just going to arrest you for prostitution. Like they don't, there wasn't any laws back then to protect women from being exploited. So, you know, it's like, there are so many things that people are like, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And it's like, if you were in that situation, you don't really have a ton of options at that point. I have a question. Mm -hmm. I want you to be honest and think about this question. Do you, would you say that back then, as you was going through that experience, would you say that you felt like you loved yourself? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I didn't care one iota about myself. Yeah. If I did, there's no way that I would have let that go on. I I mean, yeah, of course, like I was manipulated and I definitely do not take any responsibility for his disgusting actions and, you know, manipulation of me, but I do take responsibility for knowing if I had really truly cared about myself, there is no way that he wouldn't have been, be, even have been able to approach me with that energy hmm. at all. Like I wouldn't, like, there's no way that he would have been able to, to come into my life like that if I would have had any sort of self-love. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I asked that, that question came to me because I'm like, hmm, why, why is self-love so important? Why is our value, our self-worth, how we view ourselves so important? How is um, healing the things that we've gone through so important? Like why, you know? And I think you really gave a beautiful example of why it could be so important, right? Like, even when I asked you, well, do you feel like you loved yourself, you know? And I always say that we're on a self-love journey, like the selfish phase, we're on a self-love journey. Everybody's on a different point of their journeys. Some people are just starting. Some people are at the beginning. Some people have a high level of self-love. And it just reminded me again why it's so important. Like, you know, like when I started Selfish Babes, uh, I think it started in 2018. And I just like, at first I started Goddess, my self scripts know I started Goddess Detox sometime about five or six years ago. And then I was like, okay, well, I can sell a self-love inspired product, but it doesn't mean that people will actually learn self-love. Like it instills in them. You can like get a taste of it, but I wanted women to really know like what it means to love yourself. What does that look like for you? And so then I started Selfish Babe and I really like the name Selfish Babe because I'm like, oh, selfish is always seen in such a negative way. Let's make it positive. Let's let make women putting themselves first a thing. And what kind of yes. world, what kind of world would we have if more women put themselves first? Because uh, most of the majority of the time people are looking at selfishness and these from that perspective in a negative way. But it's like when you are selfish as a woman and you are looking at it from an aspect of self-love and value and worth and, and power, you heal the communities around you. And sometimes when people think of people putting themselves first, they're not thinking about the impact that that could be and what that could look like, but you're helping the people around you, right? And so it's just like, if more and more women actually truly love themselves, our world will continue to change for the better. 
And then you just reminded me of like, dang, self-love is really important. Like, and why? Because it's like certain things we may not do, certain things we may not um, stick around for too long. You know, I always talk about my past relationships where at certain times I'm like, oh no, I'm leaving. And I'm leaving because of this reason. Because I always put it like this. If my daughter was dating this person, would I still want her to be there? And I'm like, no. So then why would I stay? You know, and I had to do that because I couldn't put myself in the position that I was already in. I couldn't imagine it like being any other way. But when I put a child that hasn't come into this world yet in my place, then it's just like, oh, no, if, if I wouldn't allow my daughter to be here, bitch, why am I here? <laughs> you know, it's like I'm about, to, if I'm about to birth this human. Why am I here? And so um, I, I wanted to ask, I think you just gave me some more clarity on just why self-love is so important, why women learning this, why the affirmative prayers are so important, why speaking things, speaking it to yourself in a more positive way, because I know you had also mentioned that you would talk really negative about yourself and your thoughts, like you didn't know anything. And I was like, no, you do know. Let's start to think about the ways. And you talked about like, like some people ask you, oh, why don't you leave? Well, you didn't see any other other options. That was your option that you saw. And that was your perspective. And that was your viewpoint, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think about how what some of the spiritual self-love practices I talk about, especially when it comes to like affirmations or spiritual baths or getting the readings or tapping into your pussy power that I teach in my Selfish Fuck Academy, I think about how your mindset shifts and your perspective shifts. And it's like somebody doesn't see an option. That's their perspective. While somebody else may see an option because later on you saw an option for yourself and you decided you were going to leave. Or maybe those other years you did not see that as an option. But things eventually change to where you're like, oh no, there is an option. Those are two different perspectives, right? One is like cage, no, no way out. And one is freedom. There's a way out. I mean, I know everything. I may not know all the way, every single step of the way, but there's something for me. And so I just thought about like self-love, really unlocking people from their cages, giving people a different perspective, giving people freedom and a new way of living. And I was like, wow, that is really important here because I was talking about, I have a free masterclass called um, five things that you can do to start becoming more of a goddess in your life. And in that masterclass, I talked about you can create your heaven on earth or you can create your hell on earth. And what are we doing? And for me, I want my selfish babes to know that they can create heaven on earth. You are creating heaven on earth. And how do you do that with yourself, with your words, through spirituality, through the metaphysics, and really, truly loving yourself on a deeper level? Like when I talk about self-love, it's not pedicures and um, bubble baths. Those are really good. It's about the energy behind the things that we do. It's on a deep, deep, deep level. And uh, I'm just so happy that you decided to say, I do have a choice and you decided to leave. Now with me saying this, I do know that there are other women who may not really have a choice and really like are really restrained, really, really restrained. And I, I was telling you earlier, I think that's why I've been so interested in learning about sex trafficking. And I'm so glad you came on and kind of gave one perspective of it in terms of initiatives to help women lead, initiatives to where there is an option for them. And so I just wanted you, I want to thank you for giving um, our selfish babes some awareness of how it could look in one way, because I'm just like, wow, I've always been interested. And like, I know that at some point, I'm just speaking to this, at some point, there's going to be an initiative that I'm a part of with this. I just know it. I just don't know what, but I know there will be some type of initiative. Now, 
I know you talked about a lot of past trauma that you've dealt with. And I know that you actually decided to use my goddess fashion to talk to pearls. So we're going to talk about the womb healing, right? And I tell my selfish babes a lot when it comes to spiritually and, and spiritual self-love and selfishness and simply loving yourself. I think that the womb and the vagina is a major area that we can start our healing. And that's part of the reason why I have the Goddess Vaginal Detox Pearls and the products that I sell through Goddess Detox and the, the affirmations towards the vagina. Because from my perspective, I always talk about Queen of Four, the elder in the womb wellness community. And y'all always, always know I'm talking about Queen of Four's book, Sacred Woman. So if you have not gotten Sacred Woman by Queen of Four, go get it. Okay, it's in the Selfish Babe app under recommended books. And why is that important? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, because we hold so much there. And I know that you want to use the Goddess Vaginal Detox Pearls to kind of help clear that out. So tell me a little bit about your experience and why you were yes. thinking about getting that. Yeah. So um, I actually saw or listened to your episode on Manifestation Babe, and I was like, I need those. Like just the way that you described it. And I was like, I have all of that. I have womb trauma. I have sexual trauma. You know, I literally became a whole nother person when I had to have physical sexual intercourse with with another person. And for me, as somebody who sees sex as a form of love and as a form of connection with my partner, it was completely detrimental to me because now I am kind of sacrificing that, that connection, that beautiful connection that I could have with a person because there's, there was money involved. And it was like a, it was like, I had to do it in order to have my needs met instead of it being like this beautiful exchange of energy that I now know sex and the sacral energy to be. So when you were speaking about it, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I have, I, I don't even know how many past partners I have stuck in my womb space. I have or had money stuff that I just couldn't really figure out with money. Well, I don't even know how to exactly to say that, but you know, just money trauma. We'll really just call it that. We'll call it money trauma. And so, you know, and sex was directly connected for me to my money trauma. And, you know, that space is all about creation. And so when you were speaking on that, I was just like, oh, I need that. <laughs> like I need to get all of my past partners out. I had, I just got out of a relationship. So I needed him to get out. Like, and I was like, I'm ready to clear this space. My childhood sexual trauma, my trafficking experience, all the abusive boyfriends that I've had, I'm ready to get it out of me. Yeah. And so after I had to wait um, until after my period. So I think I was like a couple days after and I was like, okay, we're going to do these. I'm going to try them out. Let's go. And <laughs> what came out was so astonishing. And we were talking about this earlier where I was like, I'm going to be the one that doesn't really have like that big of a detox, right? Yeah. Come hundreds of sexual partners. And for some reason I thought I wouldn't have a big detox. Okay, Tina. Um, so like, okay. Um, but yeah. And I ended up just, I don't even know what it was, but it was just like that really wiggly tissue that came out. And I was like, it was a huge chunk. And I'm like, what is this? Like, Oh my gosh. I showed all my friends. I was like, look what came out of my vagina. I even did a post on Facebook. Like who wants to see what came out of my Yoni? And everybody's like, me, me, me. (laughs) 
So I really made it a celebration. Like yeah. I wasn't even ashamed of it. it. And that's weird for me because as somebody who's gone through so much sexual trauma and has never really connected with her womb space very well, yeah. it was so cool to be able to be like, who wants to see what came out of my Yanni? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I would have never said that before. And I wouldn't, I would have never even thought about it. So mm-hmm. it was just so cool to be able to feel not only like a physical release with um, the tissue that came out, but also the, the emotional release. Like yeah. I feel, and I actually, I've lost 10 pounds. I've done nothing different, wow. but I really feel like there was all of this stagnant energy in yeah. that space yeah. and it has been released yeah. and it's just been so beautiful that is so nice and and for those that are listening i don't know like with the goddess vaginal detox pearls that is what i call a deep uh, womb and vaginal cleanse and uh, the reason why it is deep is because those herbs are circulating through your womb and your vagina for the time period that you have them in and it's like a, a snake shedding its skin in terms of the exfoliation of your vagina. And what she's talking about is the purging process. And so after, you know, the two, the two to three days that you have the detox pearls and there's a wait time of about three to five days. And during that wait time of about three to five days is the purge. And usually the purge consists of vaginal skin cells, yeast. I've had a lot of mucus personally, um, old blood. I've seen a lot of women with old black blood. And basically what the pearls are doing is in terms of like the physical benefits, the herbs are really great for the woman in general and adding more energy and heat to the womb space. But in terms of on a detox level, they're helping to attract any toxicity close to the to the pearls. Let's say the pearls inserted, it's attracting all of that to the to the, the skin of your vaginal canal. So everything that's coming out, like the skin cells, everything, the purging process, that's like a large snake skin of your vaginal canal and if you were to keep that hole and open it you could see the things that are in and so I've done that I've kept it whole and I've been able to open it and I usually get a lot of mucus that comes out and so this is not only a physical process where we're talking about a spiritual emotional when you use your pearls did you actually speak into the herbs I did and so not only did I speak into the herbs but you were talking also about you know facing a mirror to your vagina and speaking to her. And I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I, I've never, I've never like really looked at, I mean, I've looked to see like if a tampon got stuck in there or something, you know, whatever, just to look, just to see like, Oh, like, is there anything in there? But like, I've never looked in awe. I've never looked in like, wow, what a, what a beautiful beautiful thing that I have here and so just to be able to see like speak straight to her for the first time ever and be like I love you I'm gonna cry like I love you I appreciate you Mm -hmm. and you have gotten me through so much you have taken so much for me and now it's time for you to heal now it's time Mm -hmm. for this release and you know to, to to like you said shed that old life and leave it behind for good and really move into the purpose that I was that I went through that experience for I really truly believe that I was able to go through that experience and even in my childhood with the child sexual abuse and then that abusive boyfriends just to be able to show women that 
we are powerful. We yeah. are able to do that self-healing. We are able to take care of ourselves. And you can, even after all of that, there is a way to love yourself again. Yeah. There is a way. And you, there's just so many beautiful aspects of being able to do that. So that was a really good experience, even for me as someone who practices self-healing and yeah. self-love. That was such an incredible thing for me to be able to do. I just want to say thank you, man. I'm so grateful that you decided to use the Goddess Vaginal Detox Pearls. I'm grateful that your experience was good and that not only you had a physical sense of a cleanse, but you also had an emotional cleanse. And you talked about even losing weight without doing anything extra. I'm like, you know, that's why I think it's so important to like look at holistic healing because some stuff we're holding onto and it looks like physical stuff but weight was actually lifted off of you. You know what I'm trying to say? But like to like people that just look at this world just as just a physical world, they may not understand that. But when you start tapping into like spirituality or energy and metaphysical world, the unseen world and understanding everything has energy, it's just like, yeah, you was, you was holding on to something and you let it go. And it just happened to be in the form of weight. You know what I'm trying to say? So it's just like, I feel like it's just nice to view that world, like view the world in that way, which is why I talk about perspective and like how we can create heaven or how we can create hell. So I'm just so grateful that you decided to use them. You had a great experience. And now I know you talked about like self-healing, right? You mentioned that, like what are some self-healing practices that you do or talk about? Yes. So self-healing for me looks like affirmations. And I actually have, I love that you love affirmations too, because I think they are so important Um, because the way that we speak to ourselves is extremely important. And you even mentioned, you know, kind of saying how, you know, I used to speak about myself in such a negative way. And that's very true. Like I, that's how I really felt about myself. And so now being able to speak life back into myself, since I don't, I don't want to have to rely on the external world to give that to me. I want to find a way to validate myself and to love me through my own words and through my own perspective and experience. But on top of that, just being able to have that, those custom for me, custom affirmations that I like to teach. So I have like a little worksheet and it's free that you can fill out and then it actually walks you through how to create a custom affirmation because you can go on Pinterest and, you know, you can look up like, oh, this makes me feel good. But for me, affirmations are extremely personal. So if you can figure out the root of what you need to affirm to yourself, then you can actually create an affirmation that's custom for, for that purpose to start telling yourself a new story and to start actually speaking different words to yourself and changing that perspective. So I love, love affirmations so very much. I love that. And um, is there an Instagram that people can find you at? Yes, it is at Quintina Sani, Q-U-I-N-T-I-N-A-S-O-N-N-I-E. Do you have like show notes that you put it yes, in? Yes, I'll definitely make sure your Instagram's going to go below or above, depending on what platform they're listening to. And do you happen to have a website or a place that they can like check out more of what you do? 
Um, so actually, all of my all of my different courses, I have some courses, I have also some uh, free self healing recommendations and uh, just five minute techniques that you can check out in the link in my bio on Instagram. Um, another one of my absolute favorite things that has totally changed my life is breath work. And breath work is just so incredible, um, something that you can do anywhere, anytime. So that has been my absolute favorite thing. So I have a stress, it's called stress detox, favorite course ever. Um, so that's in my bio as well. Now what's breath work for those that don't know? Yes. So breath work is a specific breathing technique that actually helps to disengage your uh, frontal cortex. So a lot of our trauma lives in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. And so what it allows us to do is it allows our breath to kind of chill the parasympathetic nervous system out and say, hey, like we're going to bring up some some feelings, some emotions, but it's going to be in a in a way that you're not going to go into your fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. And so it gives you this beautiful way to control your healing and to bring up trauma without actually having a complete like panic attack or anxiety. So as you're breathing through with the, uh, the rhythmic breathing that I teach, you actually are able to process trauma. And sometimes it's not even trauma. Sometimes it's good feelings. Sometimes yeah. it's, you know, it can be a really beautiful, happy thing as well. So it's not all about trauma and it's good for everyone at any time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, my love. I know that my Selfish Babes listening have really and truly appreciated this episode. I know I've appreciated this conversation with you and you've given me more insight. But I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story and where you're headed. I'm so grateful and so appreciative. Is there any last thing you want our Selfish Babes to know before we go? Oh, yes, there is nothing wrong with being selfish. I always say that being selfish is actually selfless because when you heal yourself, when you love yourself, you are raising your own vibration and that goes into the collective. So it's really our duty to start to learn and to feel that self-love so that we can actually spread that to the collective. So go out and be selfish. <laughs> Thank you so much, love. Bye.